0: Welcome everyone to Seek Go Create. This is where we redefine success in leadership, business, and in ministry. We're going to emphasize that redefining success today because we're going to discuss a good bit about leadership, but discuss uh, some things that just might need to be busted up as far as norms and some things we see in the areas of leaders and and uh, what leadership teams look like and how they should look. And I'm excited about having that conversation today. I think it's going to push me a little bit. I'm going to kind of open up some things about the way I think. I enjoy it when I get a little bit uncomfortable about preparing for a conversation like this. So, uh, so we're going to jump right into it. And, uh, and I'm glad you're here today. We have Coco Brown. She's the CEO and founder of the Athena Alliance. It's a networking organization with over 5,000 plus C-level women, VCs and CEOs that represent over 200 plus companies. She's got quite the resume and bio. I won't get into all that now. Coco, welcome to Seek Go Create.
1: Thank you, great to be here.
0: Glad you're here. We were talking before we hit record about your name. We'll get to that in just a moment. I wanna get to my first question just to kind of get things rolling and that is we bump into each somewhere somewhere we're networking and i ask you what do you do coco what do you tell someone when they ask you what you do
1: I, well um i like to use some of your language actually it's uh, you know that that redefining so we're reimagining redefining revolutionizing the way senior leaders advance their careers stay connected with the world stay connected with each other um and if if you want to sort of create some imagery around that imagine if linkedin worked the way airbnb does to find the right person to talk to at the right time and imagine if netflix were for business you know so categories aren't comedy and family and drama the categories are m a and compensation oversight and you know mega trends and risk and so you could explore and engage exactly like you do with netflix well those two pieces are, are two big parts of what Athena does. And today we're only working with women because women are half the sky and women, you know, really need the greatest um, competitive advantage in moving forward faster.
0: Yeah. So so here's my my first question. We'll just dive right into the deep end of the pool immediately. And that is, why do we need to redefine that? Why, what What? what does it look like now? What's the problem? Yeah. I mean, cause some people are blah, blah, blah. There is no problem. Why would we need to redefine it? What's going on?
1: Okay, well, just, it, just redefining leadership and, and in terms of how you develop leaders, have leaders stay on top of things, help leaders advance. If you think about, for one thing, business is moving so fast, right? Technology is making things move really, 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 really quickly. Um, but then as a result of that, you're also seeing new business models, new industries, new roles in business uh, all the time. And then you're seeing ge- uh, geopolitical landscapes changing and and who you define as your customer out there. And like all sorts of things are changing and moving so fast that the old models of learning and um access to advancement and 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 knowledge and wisdom are not sufficient in today's world. So the old models are academic models, but those old models can't keep up with the pace of change. What's happening is actually not academic setting the the tone for what's the future. It's actually operators, people out there in the field that are creating what's new and next and you know. So for example, I'll give you it's always easier if you can imagine this. We had a member who said I'm shutting down Russia offices in Russia, who do I talk to? Right? So if you imagine the old model is like, who do I go talk to? You don't know, you're trying to you know, talk to your lawyers or, but in our model, you find the right person out there in the ecosystem who has experience, like the one that you're trying to get or sat across from the table that you're about to approach, etc. cetera. And um, the second big challenge uh, that needs to be redefined is how people, um, you know, leverage not just their, not just each other, but also learning. So that's where the Netflix piece comes in. It's, you know, you need constant new content that is on the forefront of what's happening, delivered to you Netflix style um, and constantly changing and evolving and, and just rapid fire. And so that's, that's where companies are engaging with us to uh, be the executive development solution for their senior leaders to keep them on top of what's going on um, in the world. So th- those are two of the big, big things.
0: So a couple things, and I, don't, I didn't really prep you on this, but uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, there are times that I like to play maybe devil's advocate just for us to kind of have a fun conversation. May not be my total belief system, but I'll, I'll, I'll share it. You know, we're in such a hyper-connected world in my opinion, just observation. I mean, right now we've got people probably listening in, you know, either live or at some point to this interview. And last time we counted 28, 30 countries, Uh, you know, people are able to engage and listen in all these areas and, you know, you could actually connect with people with all the platforms and all that we have. So my bit of a cynical question is, why do we need more connection there? Don't we already have that? Don't we have the ability to do that now, Coco? So why do we need other mechanisms to help with that? Again, I, I think I know the answer, yeah. but I'm but I'm trying to I'm I'm poking holes in your theory here.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Well, um a lot of those solutions that are out there are unidirectional, right? Um, it's not bi-directional. So somebody out there, our, our community is all over the globe too. Um, and so a member of Athena in Switzerland can reach a member in, of Athena in Topeka, Kansas for a right time conversation. There aren't a lot of solutions you could say, well, LinkedIn, but, but there aren't solutions out there that do that. Um, they're becoming more solutions that do that because it's the right path. But if you think about most of them, you can't really find each other. Uh, they're designed around sales and recruiting. They're designed, you know not around keyword searches and you know experiential, and I'm trying to find the right person to talk to because I need the right person to talk to. It's more about I want to hire that person or sell to that person. Um, so the, 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 the feasibility is out there. The structure hasn't been created yet. you know, so that's what we're addressing. What the way we think about the mental model of it is what if you took all of the goodness of a college campus and you put it into a digital virtual environment under one roof. Right, so what is the goodness of a college campus it's not just education it's not just classrooms right there's the walks between the classes and the time that the professor is writing down the whiteboard and you're meeting new friends and. You're making connections and those connections happen because you're part of the same social group or you know so. Think peer groups and learning circles, and there's a lot that sits under our roof that is all those same kinds of things that you'd experience and what makes a college experience so beautiful, Um, that is both social as well as academic. And then because of what we are, the outside world comes recruiting. So we've helped over 400 women join board seats or or grab Mm. board seats. So that's kind of like, hey, by the way, here's our career center. Goldman Sachs is coming recruiting next week, right? So we envisioned this concept of moving forward as a senior leader in a different way for how senior leaders in today's world need to engage, which is digital.
0: Yeah, the, the good thing about that, actually, the first thought I had when you started answering was when I jump into LinkedIn, often the first thing that happens when I go to my messages in LinkedIn Is someone's trying to sell me something, Yeah, you know, I've got, I've got executive coach, podcaster, author, you know, in my title. And there is someone always trying to sell something related to the book or the podcast, or even coaching for that matter. They're trying to deliver me quote unquote, the six and seven figure coaching clients. And anyway, I don't want to come across cynical with, with that, but So, so it seems to me, it's just a safe place with an intentional purpose. I like the college campus. I was actually thinking back to my days at Georgia Tech, thinking about those college campus experiences. And, um, and I think that's powerful because you have people somewhat connected, but yet very diverse There's from people from all over that are coming in. And, uh, and I kind of like that. Is it a... um, sometimes this is a negative word, I'm not meaning it negative, is it a competitive environment? Is it a competitive atmosphere there? Is it uh, uh, the competition, you leave it at the door? Because I the college campus has a bit of competitiveness to it. Yeah, Does that make yeah. sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's not at all a competitive environment. There, there, there isn't the top of the. You know, we're not vying for top of the class. There are no, there are no grades, <laughs> so none of those things exist, right? That create competition. But even beyond that, um, we are underdogs by by nature of the fact that uh, today we only serve women and, and non-binary people. You know, people who identify as female or or non-binary. We. Hmm. We serve underdogs in that sense, and and so one of the things that um, our model is very conscientious about is um, ridding ourselves of a scarcity meant mindset and building an abundance mindset, and and. And really leveraging one another to create abundance, right? So mm-hmm. my need to talk to you today about shutting down offices in Russia is your need tomorrow to talk to me about my perspective on the global workforce uh, and how it's evolving, right? It's and there's no sales, there's no recruiting, right? There there's not there's not that, so we're not trying to get something out of each other other than wisdom and experience. Um, And so that's, that creates a really collegial, you know, but, and that's why I sort of relate it to that college, like campus. Um, And then real relationships are developed because we see each other in all of these different ways, live virtual salons, peer groups, um, you know, and, and we have humans in the loops in the right way where we say, let us make the connections for you. I know it's awkward to reach out to someone. So Mm -hmm. there's a lot to the model that we've really thought through in terms of how to create intimacy one of the things we say by the way in our salons is show up as you are we don't care if you you know yesterday i didn't have any makeup on because i decided not to (laughs) show up as you are be video on be video off we don't care if you're video on and you're eating your lunch fine just you know sit back a little bit so we don't see it go into your mouth but you know like we we don't have any pomp and circumstance in our ecosystem at all there's it's we don't tolerate it we don't we're 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 not into that, we're not, we're not into that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I just was thinking about one cool thing I remember from the college experience is that you do get stretched from being around some, mm-hmm. uh, you, you know, when I, when I was my collegiate experience, I was around some very bright people and many times I felt as if I was probably in over my head but it stretched me, you know, I, 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 I did things, I think beyond what I could have done uh, solo in that solo environment. But I, I wanna circle back to something you said, cause it kind of triggered me. You, you brought up that you have like this come as you are um, meetings and meetups and things like that. And this was the thought that popped in my head. So I'm just gonna say it and you could take it and run with it. I'm not sure if a group of guys, it would matter. Why is that important when you're in a primarily a woman uh, focused organization? Um, because there are differences and I want us to I, I want us to be able to go there if we can. But yeah, but I, it's like, yeah, you know, a I bunch of it. guys, I don't think I would ever say, oh, listen, guys, we're just kind of a come as you are. You know, don't worry about your hair. Wear your best black. <laughs> wear your best black T-shirt. You know, whatever. Why? Why is it important with a group with uh, that's that's woman-focused?
1: Um, for a number of reasons. Uh, one, if you want to embrace diversity, you have to let everyone know that whoever they are is great. And you know, so if you have diverse women. Um, which we do 37% racially diverse. As an example, we want that racially diverse community to know that they can show up however they want to. And hair is a really hair head face is a really big thing in the, in the world of women, right? Men, you know, they don't have hijabs, They don't have, they don't have scarves. They don't have, you know, they, mm-hmm. they don't have, um, the same sorts of challenges that black women have with coarse hair, they like, you know, and and women in general have been told, you know, in business settings, you always wear your hair up, you you know, you, you you don't wear your hair down if you want to be taken seriously. So there's so much about how you show up that is embedded in the female experience. Um, uh, When I was just starting out in my career, I moved really quickly i was a vp by the time i was 27 years old and i was told early on you know i looked young that you know for my age and and they would that, you know wear your hair up wear your glasses and study your contacts you know wear makeup don't don't not wear makeup and there came a point where after, where i was you know president ceo of a company and I decided i'm not wearing makeup any longer i'm not doing it (laughs) and wear my hair down if i want to and i did and this is a highly technical it company by the way where most all of our customers and all of our staff in the field were men and you know so i have always wanted to say to women look you know you're on the run you're on the go i don't care if you're sitting on your peloton or you're you know you feel sweaty or whatever this is not the point (laughs) So that's why I show up a lot of times with my hair up and no makeup on and, you know, just to try to make it comfortable. Um, it is important. I, I've never had anybody ask me that before, but that's, yeah, that's a fundamental in the, the world of women. Well,
0: it's it's kind of uh, this weird thing. And, and again, we're focusing on redefining success. And one of the things that I have observed in myself, and I think we try to, cleanse some of these things is that when we see people we're sometimes quick to um, judge, make a, come to conclude, you know, things like that. I hate that, but I, I, don't know how to wipe it out. You know, I was working, I interviewed a group of a startup uh, young guys from their dorm room one time that had this startup app that was a dating app and what they were doing. It's fascinating. Uh, Sounds like a,
1: Facebook, Like go on. Well, <laughs> no they
0: actually a little bit different they, they were attempting to remove the looks from the dating aspect which i love the thought of they're still working through some things obviously but it was basically you you do like this questionnaire questionnaire and you answer some questions back and forth before you ever see what someone looks like which it's a fascinating thing because you know, even in the world I'm in, I get, you know, I'll get like a a bio from someone like you and, you know, that's typically got a picture and we got pictures on LinkedIn and all that. I, I, I do think it would be kind of interesting to attempt to remove that. I don't see that happening. I'm, I'm, you know, but I do agree that people kind of look at perceptions and things like that. Um, well, it's actually
1: an issue. I, I, I mean, I, I, here's a great example of it. People think that, you know, they wonder about women as, as computer science, uh, scientists and engineers. There's a um, um, product called GitHub, which is like sort of the biggest central, you know, it's the repository you use for holding software and checking software in and out. It's like a, you know, uh, it, 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 it just for people who don't understand is, um, you check the software in and out, you make the changes to the software, you check it back in and, and that way you can track any of the changes you can revert back if any of the pro if, if something problematic happens. And so you're logging, you know, which, which engineer is checking it in, which engineers checking it out, et cetera. So they have, you know, billions of data points in here. Right. And so they did a they did a study and they said, if we anonymize the data, whose data gets accepted, whose, whose software gets accepted more often, 4% higher women. If you attack, don't anonymize, anonymize the data, which software gets, uh, um, you know, received more, most often it, women go lower, lower than 50% now. So the bias, I mean, this is a fundamental issue in the world bias exists. We all are biased towards what looks like me, what reminds me of me, you know, what I've seen to be successful, which tends to be my tribe around me. (laughs) So we're biased. It's natural.
0: And, And we get pigeonholed into our tribes, you know, and, and, and then we start thinking like our tribes. That's the thing. That's the reason I love conversations like this, and for those listening and may not see me, I'm a 59 year old, little bit of gray in my beard, white dude. And, and you know, I, I actually at times wonder if my people are part of the problem. I think many people would say that, but then sometimes I could tell you this is, and we'll go here with this conversation. I'm wondering if we have a clue why we're part of the problem. That's one of the issues. It's like we, I don't even think we understand it at times. And, but, but I mean, let's talk about the looks bias. I've got a little bit of gray in my beard. I'm 59 years old. Uh, You are, I'm sure younger. I'm not going to ask your age. uh, Almost 53. 53. So we're both in our fifties. And the unfortunate thing is, is that if you and I both walk into a room, and and we don't put titles or anything on any anything you've got a much higher credentials and all of that there will be people that may look at me as the leader
1: yes oh absolutely and, and well, i'm not saying
0: that's good i'm just saying that's unfortunately the way it is right
1: Well, yeah and i think part of it requires a a, a little reflection on history right like let's just take a one lens on it that most people don't even think about the first stock markets were created 300 years ago mm-hmm. in belgium france you know a couple it's like debatable there were a few of them at this at basically the same time mm-hmm. why were they created basically so that white european men could pool their risks together and go conquer the world right No, right. quite frankly right i mean what were they doing at the time they're conquering the world right we you know a pirate is a privateer if they work under a, a a regime so so the idea is you know rather than just having the the monarchies going out and conquering the world with all their riches well let's get the business guys together and conquer the world as a collective we can create riches right and yeah we get smaller output but we also get smaller risk so men white men european white men have been doing business together taking risks you know like while they're off with their snuffers and brandies and and cigars talking about business and politics, women are, you know, off talking about um, family and society and whatnot. And, and that's white women, by the way, because, you know, that's the white women privilege. Right. And right. it's like asking a fish to describe water. You know, you don't understand it because it's been, that's been your water for centuries.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, and, and it's, it's baked in. That's why I, I say I like, pressing with these conversations because i mean when i read some things like i read on on your your bio and all i'm going ooh i think i'm going to let her hit me with the five questions that allow someone to find out what the culture's like in an organization we'll do that later i think before we finish okay. up i'm going to mm-hmm. pretend that i'm hiring and that I'm the guy that's leading and I'm going to let you hit me with five questions to find out what the culture is like at my organization. I think that'll be kind of fun. We'll get to that. We'll get to that in a moment, but, but I really do. And I, and I, and I realized just some, I think this word is sometimes overused, but it, it's the best one. We've got the privilege that, that I've got from just being who I am and, and what I am. And so I do try to press and ask questions and I think it's really cool that there's organizations. I I believe what Athena is doing is attempting to redefine what we're looking like in, in those arenas. Would that be correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, if I, you know, the vision I have is of a world where the top of business society mimics the demographics of the society that it serves, engages with, uh, So, um, in, by definition, that has to, that has to redefine not just who's there, but how are they there and how does it operate? Mm-hmm. Um, just even from a very simple perspective, as an example, on that, on that how piece, it's a fact that women, you know, nurture nature, whatever we can argue about why, but it's a fact that women take the bulk of the responsibility for the the things back at home. whether it's elderly family, extended family, young family, you know, it's just the community around, it's a fact that women do it, whether it's because we are more disposed to want to do it or we've been conditioned from a very young age to do it, whatever you know, fact is fact, right? So the conditions we need around ourselves in order to juggle that and the career we want, means that we require a level of flexibility and trust that hasn't necessarily had to be in the system if it's men. You know, so when an Elon Musk says everybody back to work, he doesn't understand what he's saying and how much of his, you know, sort of ecosystem he's disenfranchising by the fact that we could do better, frankly, if we were allowed to make that decision for ourselves.
0: Yeah. and the- so many questions floating around in my head i think what i'd like to do here i want to have a deeper conversation just about leadership and we're not going to totally leave this topic of just what we see in the world with uh the you you mentioned earlier that that the goal would be for the leadership positions roles to look like the demographics which as best I could tell, that means 50-50. And I know we're a long way from that. So we're going to talk about some things related to where we are now and how we get there. But I wanted to back up a little.
1: Can I just, just, it's it's beyond 50. It's sure, male, female, 50-50. But like 4% of top leadership roles are held by people of color. So it's even beyond that. (laughs) There's there's a real big problem. (laughs) Yeah. But
0: anyway. And, And I even, I get concerned at times with, I mean, when we really start talking diversity, I mean, are we really diverse when we talk about spiritual backgrounds? Are we really diverse when we talk about uh, mindsets? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, just anyway, we, we're going to go down that road in just a pa- just a moment. But I, I really like to, at times, talk to people about their story. And you and I, before we hit record, you you mentioned kind of the origin of your name. I think I told you, you may have the coolest name of anyone that I've interviewed at Seek Go Create because Coco Brown just, it seems like someone that should be really famous, I think. Um, and so, I don't, or, uh, you know, pop star, or, I don't know, something like that. And as I, I kept, I, I kept wanting to find out origins of your name. I, I never really did a lot of research on that, but tell me right before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about that. Let's kind of back up. I'd like to learn a little bit more about Coco and then we're going to jump back into some of the things related to leadership and all that we were talking about. So give me a little bit of your background and, and how'd that name come to be? How'd you get the coolest name that's ever been interviewed at Seek Go Create? <laughs>
1: Well, I have my parents to thank for that. I um I was born in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, Petaling Jaya, more specifically for people who know the area. Um and my uh dad was teaching economics at the University of Malaysia, and my mom was a social worker. Um uh she went on to get a PhD in, in uh psychology and 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 family therapy, and you know, so she went down that path. He is the educator. Um and My uh, dad was writing a book on the commodity control of cocoa beans, and so cocoa beans are—you know—he was studying the commodities of developing nations as an economist, and cocoa beans are a fundamental—you know—economy commodity. Um, uh, So last name Brown. So my parents thought, you know, this is 1970. My parents thought, wouldn't it be cool—a little cocoa bean, you know? So I was born Cocoa Brown. Um, That's the the origin story. We lived in Malaysia for three and a half years. I've been to twenty-five percent of the world's the countries in the world, and definitely a globetrotter like you, a, a global nomad. I like to call myself, and yeah. So, parents to thank for my name.
0: All right. So we've said it's a cool name. What's uh, what's been like the biggest positive about having a name like that, and what's been something that might be a negative about having a name like Coco Brown?
1: You know, I always, I mean, this is a, this is sort of an interesting diversity thing, actually. Um, yeah. One thing that's been really cool is it, you tend to be the only Coco Brown, and so people remember you. Um, yeah. The other thing that I always thought was really cool, is actually, if you Google Coco Brown, 90% or more of who would pop up are black women. Yes. Um, in fact, actually, my my uh freshman roommate in college when she saw my name on my laundry bag coco brown she was like oh i'm you know my roommate's a black woman and then she met me and she was like oh my god you're not at all what i thought you were you know and i was like oh that's so funny that's so cool you know so you know i kind of like that people imagine that i'm going to be somebody else and you know my my mom always you know, she would always say, "Well, you know, Coco, you have some black in you because you're your great grand aunt, whatever, you know, and um and then you also uh, you know, have Askenazi Jew. Well, it turns out that neither of these things are actually true. I did a twenty three andme me. <laughs> yeah. And I was crushed. I was like, I want to be racially diverse myself. i i I love that. Um those are the cool things and and you know, a name that stands out. I mean, the negatives are the people who want to change you. You know, the mm-hmm. people who say, well, that's not a name people will take seriously when I was really young, you know, they, they didn't want me to have my name be Coco Brown in a business context, because it's not a serious business name, um, you know, or people who will look at me differently and treat me differently off the bat, because I have a cheek, what they would think of as a cheeky nickname name that I clearly created as a nickname, right? Mm-hmm. So that's the negative, but I feel like, yeah, that's on them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, when I, you know, I only see the names before I start looking at the info of kind of how we do our interviews here. I I did. I made I made the assumption we shouldn't assume I made the assumption I was going to be talking to an African-American woman. I I really did. It's like and I'm sorry, um, you brought it up so I could kind of say, uh, yeah, I messed up. And then and then when I see the, you know, the info, I'm going, oh, well, okay. And I even asked, my my wife actually runs a lot of the operations and all. I said, is this the right match here? Is this and then and then and then fascinating, you know, you start reading through all that you've done and your background and all. And so that's kind of the next thing I wanted to go with. Obviously, you know, you, you have education as a background with your parents and all of that. And I, I think I saw where you went to the University of Pennsylvania, I think Wharton School of Business, which is, you know, one of the tops that's out there. Uh, I did not
1: go to the I, I I was a psych major at UPenn. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. I have spoken at Wharton uh, the, at their reunion recently. So that was MBA, uh, executive MBA reunion, but yeah
0: very cool. So here here's the thing. I don't I don't want us to maybe rehash your your journey or path, but obviously you were moving along very quickly to reach some of the levels you did by the age of 27 that you mentioned earlier. But what I'd love to find out is and I don't know if we can call them challenges or an event or something along the way where you were forced to redefine what success meant to you or what you thought it looked like. And it could be this big overarching, you know, topic we're talking about of just being a female in a male dominated situation. But does anything come to mind when I say, Hey, what's a time either you thought it might've been a failure or, you know, set you back that might've been where you had to kind of step back and redefine Kind of who you were or what you thought you were were moving towards
1: absolutely um so there 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 was a time um i, I spent seventeen years at my last company hmm. and um and it, the the ending of of that era for me was devastating Um, Hmm. because I had attached my um, who I was so tightly to that company. I I was the Hmm. president and CEO of the company. The entire company reported to me. I was the only report to the CEO. I was one of three owners of the company. I was on the board. I, I grew it to 54 million in revenue. I, you know, I, I had, my identity was wrapped up in this company and, um, You know, people would, much to my absolute horror, would say, you know, Coco, it goes in this order for you, first Taos, then (laughs) your kids, then your husband. (laughs) And I would say, oh my God, that's how I'm viewed. That's horrible. Um, But when I, you know, when I extracted from that, um, that it was one of those experiences where you can't be in it and also thinking about what's next so there i was kind of figuring out like what is next who am i now you know and how do i define success and and that's when athena was born um it was actually born out of a dinner group that i had started in 2005 that just grew and grew and grew and grew of female chief information officers who kind of gave me a mandate one day and said this is what you're going to do next go go and you know go solve this problem and build something out of it <laughs> um and And I, in the process of doing that, I redefined success. You know, I've made less money in the last six years than I made, you know, sometimes in one year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. um, So, you know, it certainly isn't money right now. Not, you know, so I had to redefine success as what I'm gonna be for the world and how I'm going to change the world for the better, uh, not just be a successful, you know, leader of an IT company. You know, I, I wanted to do something very, very meaningful in the world and and do it by example as well. So my company is 100% remote. Um, I have teammates who are living on the go. I have people in Africa. Um, Couple of people living in Africa, a couple of people living in South, a number of people living in Central and South America, and I wanted to build a structure where there was high levels of trust, high levels of transparency, high levels of independence. You know, so the the way I define success is: Do my kids think I'm successful? Am I successful for them? Am I there for them when they need me? Can they? Do I drop things to to be there for them? Can I drop things to be there for them? And then does my team feel and my husband and does my team feel that way, you know? And so, so that's how I define success. And then, can I be the change I wish to see in the world? And am I doing that? Am I changing the world?
0: Yeah. the The reason, thank you for responding to that because I, I could tell that there were probably some things there that there's more to the story, which is fine. Uh, and and I and I get it. <laughs> I mean, people that have listened in here know that. Some of uh, the reason why we talk about redefining success is just some of the rawness of some of the things we've been through with companies that failed and financial challenges and all. But my wife and I say this all the time, and I'm going to say it as a statement, and I'm going to let you respond, is that we would not wish a lot of what we went through on anyone else. However, we're so thankful we went through it because of who we are today. And it's sounds as if maybe Athena may not exist if it weren't for that adjustment or redefining that you went through six years ago, would that be correct? That,
1: um, I think, I think I eventually would have gotten to Athena anyway. Um, eventually I would have gotten to Athena anyway, but it is true to say that Athena does come out of all of my experiences. It, it is And I've struggled a lot, you know, I've struggled with the fundamental structure of the business world that's based on a factory model of the 1800s. I've, I've struggled as a woman in, in a highly, you know, male dominated field. I've, you know, struggled as a parent. I've struggled with learning. I've, you know, I, yeah, I, I, it, it, that's why I think eventually I would have gotten to Athena anyway um is because so much of what athena is it comes from all of the things that i struggled with um and 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 it is true too you know all the things that have happened to me i wouldn't want them to happen to anybody else and if i could redo them they wouldn't have happened to me oh. and at the same time <laughs> at the same time i i love my life and i love what i'm doing so i'm i'm proud of where i am
0: yeah you mentioned the you mentioned the word identity. When you first started talking, I even in my head said, oh, identity. She's about to say that her identity was tied to a position, a role, a company, uh, you know, uh, maybe the financial aspect of it. And I, I think that's a challenge for many people. We'll call them achievers, people that are moving along, uh, you know, corporate, this structure. I'm going to ask you about structure in a little while, because I'd, I've also said the same thing that we have. I think what we're doing is we're attempting some things within a structure that doesn't allow some of the things we try to do. It's just a structure that's flawed. But I I want you to talk a little bit more about identity and maybe speak to someone who may be listening in, maybe even specifically a woman, that their identity is really tied up with their title, their position, the job, how much money they're making, all of those things. because. It seems like everybody I talk to, maybe it's just the role I'm in, that that was the case. They kind of get that busted up at some point. So talk a little bit more about that identity piece.
1: Well, and actually, I'll take it to a little bit of a a very vulnerable place um, for you, because, you know, I think one of the biggest uh, challenges in marriages, um, at least in, you, you know, the U.S. system and maybe it's everywhere, is the identity crisis that happens when when there's a primary breadwinner and a primary homemaker and what happens is the if if the primary. This was our case. I was the primary breadwinner and um, we made a decision between us that we had enough income that one of us could stay home and one of us was going to stay home and it was a, um, a, a decision that um, would have equally been one or the other of us but we we went for it based on who had the who had the bigger job at the time so i had the bigger job at the time so my husband said okay i'll stay home and my job got bigger and bigger and bigger and prominence and prominence and prominence and so my identity in this in society you know where somebody would say well what do you do and i could say well i'm this you know and my husband's identity got increasingly into the space of i'm her plus one <laughs> i'm you know i i'm just coco's you know husband and we spent a lot of time talking about his identity and what was his identity and he needed a different identity and he started um he became a real estate professional he started doing woodworking and becoming a furniture maker and you know identity is and 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 it crushes you because if you can't put identity in parallel to each other then it can become the the core resentment in the in the relationship um, you know, you get to keep moving forward and I'm staying stuck. And, you know, well, well, you get what I want. I want to be with the kids, you know? So there's this, this real big issue. And I was reading about the, Nether- I think it's Netherlands or Sweden recently. And one of the things they talk about is why are they the happiest place on earth? Part of it is because they don't get tied up in identity the way that we do. You know, they don't define themselves based on how they compare to their neighbors. They define themselves on their own personal sense of success and you know accomplishment and career. And, and so I see women all the time, for example, and men too, like, well, I shouldn't take that job because it's actually a step down in title from where my title is right now. And I'm like, who cares about title? Is it a step up or a step over in the kinds of things you want to be doing? And the way you're building your portfolio as a career, forget about the title you know, go for, go for the role, go for what you're going to be doing, go for whether it's additive and exciting. And those are the things, right. And, and the rest will figure itself out, by the way, because if, you know, you'll get the next title, don't worry about that, right. Go do the things you should be doing in the world. And yeah, so, I mean, I could do a whole two hours on identity. This, this is a really big topic for me.
0: Yeah, and i i think it's such a base level thing that most people are dealing with in our our modern culture and i'll give you a, i'll give you the reason why i mention our modern culture is because i had someone recently and i can't I, oh, I can't reference this article but someone was talking about they had a conversation with their grandfather and the conversation went something like you know, Grandpa, what was your purpose when you were coming along and working? And what were you wanting to achieve and accomplish? And the grandfather just kind of chuckled and said, I went to work every day to make money so that we could eat. That that was my purpose. There wasn't any, you know, we we're in our culture today. What's my purpose? What am I doing in the world? What am I want to achieve and accomplish? And I, I kind of picture myself having the same conversation with my grandfather. If he were still alive, he would, he goes, what do you mean purpose? I just, I went to work every day. I think now we do have the luxury of looking more at that, but I think sometimes the money piece, the titles, the roles, the comparison with all the social channels that we could look at and, see everybody's best all the time. And I think it just kind of throws gas on, on the fire and makes it even more difficult, which leads me, this is a little bit of a segue to the challenges that we have as leaders. I love when I talk to people that get a perspective from a lot of leaders. And so the, the questions that I like to ask around that are when you look across the landscape, and we mentioned leadership. What are some things that you like, that you feel like, well, like where we're headed here? And then what are some things that bother you and concern you just about, this is, we're talking about general leadership with all that you interact with, because you've got, you know, 200 plus companies. You say, you, you know, there's 5,000 plus people that I would consider leaders that, that are in your organization. What are some things that you're very encouraged by and then some things that you go, Ooh, we still have a long way to go here.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, um, one thing, uh, that, that I love and Brian Moynihan CEO of bank of America, I think is, is really somebody I respect and, and value as a leader. Um, and he speaks about responsible growth. Um, and that, that is a really important, Element to leadership, in my view, and so one of the problems with um, Silicon Valley, the the world of tech, as an example, is that um, even though we say culture eats, you know, strategy for lunch, and people are your most important assets, and we say all these things, and we get all like, what's your purpose? And you know, we 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 get top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs sort of oriented. It all comes crushing crashing down in the structure of our capitalist mindset and our capitalist mindset says grow at all costs when 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 times are good and cut back to the bone when times are bad that that's sort of like our mental model right so we it's, spotify was a, i've been talking about this and writing about this but spotify is a kind of a good example of it they have four billion dollars in the bank they spent a ton of money last year in advance of of what they were going to do investing in the future and then as soon as the economy sort of gets questionable, they just cut a bunch of their workforce, right? Which to me seems extremely irresponsible. It's like, you, you need to, if you've made those investments for the future, we should be talking about responsible growth and sustainability. Don't make the investments for grow at all costs right now today. You make it because you believe that what you're investing in today is going to make a sustainable business for the future. So when things get tough, you don't just cut to the bone, you stay the course. You know, yes, sometimes you do have to cut, but you don't cut because you're lemming and you're following all the other ones who are cutting, and then you just say, Oh, well, let's we overspent, let's cut that back. And like it's just too cavalier. And I think that's bad leadership is the is the cavalier hubris, and, and a lot of the way that venture-backed companies work, not to, you know, shoot myself in the foot there. Um, and and I think the proper way is to think responsibly about growth, and I think very strong transparency i don't believe in ceos making 600 times what the lowest worker man like it's just insane that's insane um if you're gonna cut cut from the top first cut from the top you know so i have a lot of philosophies about leadership that go fly right in the face of a lot of the capitalist structure of today
0: Mm. The the reason i like that and see this is kind of me looking at some things that may be baked into my ethos that I have to be mindful of. I'm a free enterprise guy. I love business. I've been a business junkie since you know, I was cutting grass around the neighborhood trying to make some money and all that. However, I love what you said because there does appear to be a capitalism has kind of gotten a little bit out of hand and that we could be in a position where and and you know, I have to be careful because I'm not a huge big government person either, where I like government to step in and no. take care of things because yeah. that's not a good formula either. No. But I also am kind of wondering how do we kind of bust up these juggernauts of large, huge mega corporations. And and I, I actually have times, so I'll go ahead and share, I'll confess to you, I actually have worked with startups, done some things, and I'm getting to where I really sometimes question that whole VC model because it's, that's all it's about, uh, not entirely, but if, but if I don't get my ROI and I don't get my return quickly, we're done and moving on. So I, I guess one of the things I'm sitting here saying is, boy, how are we going to, how are we going to bust this thing up? What do we do?
1: Yeah. I, I also am not about, um, I think government and regulation has its place for sure. And mm-hmm. I, I think, um, you know, on the whole, the ways in which businesses are regulated is pretty good. but but i I think the way you change it is by changing who the leaders are. and that that's why this is so important to me. You know, you, you know, Brian Moynihan is a is a white guy you know it that you know so it's not it's not a only women kind of thing i i what i'm saying though is that you do need a bigger mix of people who care deeply about the world operating differently and if you're in the power elite there's no desire to change the way the power elite works you know but women get two percent of venture funding of billions of dollars and yet you know, one of my members who's uh, a, a, a an executive or in, in residence at, at Plug and Play, one of the big sort of um, incubator sort of places here, said 68% of seed and series A companies are closing their doors right now. So, so venture capital is 68% wrong <laughs> and isn't funding the cocoa browns of the world, right? And so we have to make it on our own, and and we make businesses that are sustainable. And, and so I think you know that model is questionable. You know, just here, take a $10 million, don't worry about profitability, just go grab market share. You know, the mindset isn't healthy for the whole. Um, it, it is a California gold rush sort of mindset, and um it, it's, so I, I think the solution is that more and more people have to care more and more broadly about the whole, you know, that, that I guess I always wonder, I always ask myself this question, if I'm Jeff Bezos, and I have a hundred billion dollars, why can't my people make more money? But like, why do I not feel bad about the conditions for the workers in, in, in the, um what do you call them? Warehouses, you, you know, like Why do I feel good about that? I I don't understand it. And, and I think that that is a question more and more people have to ask themselves is like, why do I get to have so much? And you know, why is that okay? And what is a better structure for the long-term sustainability of society? And I ask that that question of myself all the time, which is why I'm super transparent with my team. Mm -hmm. If I have to cut, I go first. I'm the first person to cut, you know, and, and if I, and my team sees it, I share the financials with them. I say, here it is. I'm not just telling you this. <laughs> Here's mm-hmm. what we all make. What do you think? What should we do about that? Right. Yeah. Um, so I think we just have to have different people leading.
0: I, I, I like the thought of that because I look across the leadership landscape and there are times, unfortunately, that I can get very discouraged. And I mean, we could look at whatever. I mean, let's, we can look at the political arena. We can look at the business arena. For me, I look in the ministry arena. And I just see so many people that have been elevated to positions. And I ask how and why. And sometimes I do wonder if we put our put our leaders on too much of a pedestal, that we put them in positions that in all likelihood, they're going to be challenged to reach the levels that we think, and especially I love what you brought up that the compensation that we're giving some of these corporate people, it makes no sense. I don't know in what universe that makes sense. And, uh, and, and I think one of the things, I, I do think a lot of this is cultural. And one of the things I saw that you had were it's kind of five questions that you could ask in an interview that could kind of flush out maybe the culture so we don't have a lot of time here, but I, I'm I'm hopeful you're you're okay playing around a little bit because I may play the part of a 59-year-old white guy with a little bit of gray speckle in my beard that is interviewing someone by the name of Coco Brown. And uh <laughs> and 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 I'm running an organization, we could define what it might be or something like that, but and 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 i i think it'd be really cool for us to hopefully have fun with it hopefully be deep with some of it also and and give some ways because i i think we need to start busting up culture i'm all about busting tradition and things that we've always done just for the sake of doing it and uh and and maybe conversations like this and organizations like yours help so so you okay you want to play that game is that okay Sure. All right. I
1: don't remember five questions, by the way, but sure, let's play (laughs) it. Do
0: you have them? You're You're probably going. Oh boy, I'm going to have fun with Tim here. Uh, So, uh, so all right. So let's let's just say that. I mean, I don't know if we're. You know, we do virtual interviews and all now. So, so, so go ahead. We've gone through the interview. We We like you. Look like somebody who's a good fit. And now you're going to uh, to ask some questions. Is it okay to ask questions when you're going through the interview process? First of all.
1: Absolutely. Some
0: people don't believe that. Some people think.
1: What? No, it's a two, it's bi-directional. You're interviewing, you know, it's a bi-directional interview. If right. it's not, then you not be there.
0: Well, Coco, we're excited that you might be joining our team. Do you have any questions for me that uh, might, uh, you might need answers for?
1: Yeah. Um, I would love to know. Where are the women in your organization? What roles the women in your organization play?
0: Mm, well, uh, unfortunately we do have a few that are in kind of support roles, our EAs, but uh, currently, and we would love to have more, we just, we just don't have more uh, women. I don't know if we haven't had the candidates or, or what. So that's one reason we're excited maybe that you would be joining the team, because we'd love to have more women uh, in the organization.
1: So given that you'd love to have more women in the organization, can you tell me, and you know, not just women, but sort of broadly in kind of creating a workforce that is really representative of of the customers that you have and the ecosystem that you operate within, what are your strategies to do that?
0: Well, I, I, I probably have to confess that we don't have strategies. We've been continuing hiring. It's done pretty well for us up to this point, but uh, we would like to get better. Maybe we just don't know how, But, uh, but and, and maybe we don't really even know where to go to, to find more. But it seems like every time we put something out there to hire, we get 99% males applying for the roles that we have. So, uh, so I I don't know if that makes any sense, but, but we just, we just don't seem to have a lot of women to choose from for our roles. And I'm getting a little uncomfortable with the questioning, I must admit.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm sitting for those of us, for those of you who can't see us, I'm like smiling. I, I hear people tell me things like this all the time. And I'll tell you what your answers so far are telling me.
0: <laughs> Good, yeah, fire away, hit, hit me hit me hard.
1: Yeah, well, so your answers so far are telling me that you actually don't really care, that you know that you're supposed to care, but you don't really care. And mm. secondly, that you've left solving the problem to somebody else. And and I'll tell you, this is why, one of the reasons I like Brian Moynihan. He actually chairs their global diversity initiative at the company he's not like i'm the ceo but the hr person runs all that stuff (laughs) so one of the things is like and you don't even have to i mean i think if you really want i mean i was just gonna say if you're a woman listening to this and you really want this job you know you probably won't get it by asking these questions because you'll make the other side uncomfortable and they'll figure out a way not to hire you unfortunately but i would say you, you don't you don't want that job anyway but there's other ways to find out the answers to those questions without asking those questions also. You know, you can look at the leadership team, you know, you can go on LinkedIn and look at the employees on LinkedIn and see what roles women play. So you can answer those questions without, you know, saying that. But but I think um, I would, you know, I, I would be curious about um, those kinds of things if I was interviewing for a top executive role at the company, you know, I'm reporting mm-hmm. to the CEO and top... I would ask questions also like what do you do in tough times have you has the company gone through a bad economic cycle a tough time and how do you make decisions about what you invest in during those times to me that's one of the biggest ways of learning what they really care about
0: (laughs) yeah and how
1: do you think about long-term sustainable you know growth
0: so one thing and i And I think you nailed something so well there, Coco. And so I'll, I'll be a little bit probably a lot transparent here. I think you brought up something that I think is, it it permeates a lot of organizations because I'm an executive coach. I work with teams a lot myself and I, and I do see this. I think people know we're supposed to be doing something different. We know we need to make an adjustment. Maybe, maybe we're not, Maybe we're not making enough of adjustment, but I think deep down we do know we should. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're challenged with making that adjustment, that leap, that shift, that change. It's too low on the priority. I, I don't know. I mean, any,
1: it's like, asking any kids thoughts? To eat
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, they oh, you
1: know they're supposed to eat broccoli, but they just don't want to, because you know why? Like, I, I think that's the problem with the entrenched power system is there's no real why for them, right? We are all tuned into what's in it for me channel. That's our, that's our number one favorite channel in, in, in the station, right? WW what's in it for me, whatever that is. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, 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 and this is not to say that anybody is a bad person or that they wouldn't want to see things different. It's just that there isn't change happens because you want to change. Change doesn't happen because you know you should change, other people want you to change. Change happens because it becomes essential to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I look for leaders is like, is this essential to you? Do you believe it so much that you're making this essential to you? Mm -hmm. Is it something that you know for you, you say, well, that's not acceptable. I'm only looking at diverse candidates. So go find those. Because if you say that to your recruiting team, that's what they will find. They will find diverse candidates because they're out there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So anything else and you know, one of the things too, I I I like that we could have more conversations like this because I think that helps a little bit. But tell me, let's we started with this, let's start wrapping with this also. Tell me what the Athena Alliance can do for the the person that might be leading a company or the or even let's say that let's say there's someone who might want to be a part of your organization what does that look like let's go ahead and be a little bit practical here as we finish up with our last few questions
1: yeah um so we're helping companies all the time get access to diverse um talent there, you know, our focus is boards and advisor roles, but we have companies come and say, hey, we we're looking for a diverse executive for this role. And, you know, do you have any suggestions? We're always happy. Companies can post roles directly to our platform. There's no charge and we'll send them the right, you know, minimum match 80% if that's what they want and we'll send them the people. So we're very engaged in helping to solve the problem. We do not believe there's a pipeline problem, believe there's a pipeline difference, but there's not a pipeline problem. Yes, there might be fewer, but that doesn't mean they don't exist. So the, the companies that care deeply and really want to go to make change happen are the ones who are playing money ball. They're the ones who are going out and finding where the diversity exists instead of resting on the, the, the challenge that it isn't coming to them. So. One thing is, you know, get curious about Athena, athenaalliance.com. Two A's in the middle there, athenaalliance.com. In, in terms of getting involved with Athena, um, you know, there's become a member uh, of Athena if you're a a, a woman leader. Um, men are allies. They they bring their talent, their, their team to us. They bring their open roles to us. They... You know, so there's, there's lots of ways that you can tactically engage with Athena.
0: Okay, very good. And, uh, and is there a type of company that uh, would be a better profile? Or is it wide open and all industries, all types of companies?
1: all industries, all roles, all geographies. I mean, we work with Bank of America, we work with uh, Autodesk and Intuit and Intel. And, um, you know, we have members who join us from all different kinds of, you know, uh, backgrounds in aviation and manufacturing and uh, retail and hospitality, financial services. And so all different industries, all different roles, all different geographies. Um, we've worked with about half of 43% of our members are with companies that are over a thousand, a thousand employees, um, 25% over 10,000 employees. Uh, and then, you know, the other 50 some percent is companies of generally speaking a hundred plus employees. Um, yeah, that's sort of Good. ecosystem.
0: So uh, you just mentioned the website earlier. Let's go ahead and mention it again. How, how do you want people to connect with you? We'll include all this in the notes, but best way to connect someone's been really intrigued or they are fascinated, want to find out more, want to connect with you. Where do you want them to go if uh, they need to reach out to you?
1: AthenaAlliance.com. Not to be confused with any other Athenas. It's athenaalliance.com.
0: <laughs> <dot> <laughs> right. We'll, we'll include notes down below. Uh, man, there's so many things we could keep talking about, Coco, but I'm watching our time here. Uh, we are seek, go, create. Those three words. I'm going to give you one of those words that might resonate with you more or mean more to you at this time. Seek, go, or create. Which word do you choose and why? And that's my final question.
1: Seek, because... I think what the world needs, and sort of illustrated in this conversation, is much more willingness to seek information from each other. I'm a, I'm a huge, um, uh, you know, what what would be the, the opposite of advocate? I'm, I'm 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 really against cancel culture. It helps no one. Cancel culture helps absolutely no one. Ask the questions you need to ask, and be sympathetic and empathetic in answering the questions that people are asking. Um, we will only get better as a society if we can let our guard down and and say the things that we need to say to get to the next place together.
0: Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, it's interesting when I was just putting some thought and prep into this, I I there were some questions, some of them that I asked, I went, ooh, I said, you know what? There's some people that may not want to ask those questions and i'm in agreement with you i i I don't like and this is on whatever side people are on i don't like when people can't ask questions i love asking questions you could probably tell that's why i do what i do and i am so thankful for this conversation coco brown thank you for joining us please go check out the athena alliance if you've been listening in I wanna say one more thing, if you know someone that needs to connect with this organization or with COCO, share this episode, share it if you're watching this on YouTube or social media channels or on one of the podcast networks, make sure that you share this because I think that some of the things we discussed and hopefully we were being transparent and open in a way that a lot of people aren't in today's world, it can kind of address and maybe start breaking down some of the barriers we have to really redefining what success is. I appreciate you listening in. We have new episodes every Monday. Until next time, continue being all that you were created to be.